This is Brian Wappler with another episode of the Chasing Tone Podcast, the podcast about guitars, amps, effects, as well as a healthy dose of interesting off-topic discussions. Joining me today again is Blake Weiland, host of the Tone Mob Podcast, entrepreneur, and effects pedal junkie, as well as Richard Oliver, Wampler's own man of many hats, longtime tone chaser, and digital entrepreneur. Oh boy, that would have been bad. We would have gotten in trouble for all of that. Sure. <laughs> 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 Maybe so. There might have been some illegal things done. I don't know. At the very least, our covers of those songs were illegal. At the very least. Okay, your so, your so, Australian accents were definitely illegal. So we were talking <laughs> Men at Work. What What are the Men at Work songs that were popular? Because I know there was more than, the, than you thought one. I know there was more than two. Down Under is one, of course. And that's the end of this conversation. Oh, this, <laughs> It's, they've been around forever. Men at work. Who's uh? Who, what's going on, men at work? What about Survivor? Name another Survivor song other than "Eye of the Tiger." Not googled, Brian. Um, I'm high on you. That one. <laughs> I'm high on you. Uh, apologies to our That's listeners for hearing. <laughs> I hear sirens pulling up right now we're gonna we're going to be arrested for this yeah, overkill this that's that's the other one i was thinking of overkill was the third hit from minute work i'm not sure that charted over here it's just overkill <laughs> that's it in, in case our listeners are, are wondering brian hasn't been taking any uh, magic mushrooms today uh just the caffeine <laughs> what is fungible, in the, the fungibles, uh, the fungibles. He's, he, he's not been on the fungibles <laughs> Oh, nothing against those who are on the fungibles, though. Especially if they're tokens. You know, they're delicious. (laughs) They they stay crispy in milk. (laughs) I get it. I get it. How are we doing? What's going on today, boys? So there's a musical on pedals. Yeah, man. Musical on pedals. Yeah, I it was. I was actually really surprised. Not surprised. I mean, that sounds horrible. I was surprised. I thought it'd suck. No, I, I was surprised because. I was thinking, a musical about guitar pedals, how do you do that? But watching it, I'm like, this is pretty damn entertaining, you know? And plus, it, I mean, historically correct. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I felt like at the end of it, I was like, all right, that's the 60s. When's the 70s coming out, you know? When's the next decade of effects coming out? I want to see the next one. Oh, we should probably really... tell people what we're, what we're talking about. Oh, so yeah, Jay, yeah. Just, Jay just just released a musical about guitar pedals. It's on YouTube now. Um, and it's, it, it's literally the story of guitar pedals, how it started up until, I guess, the 70s. And uh, it left me wanting more, which I guess if you're writing a musical, you want, you want that, right? I found it very informative. I don't know the history of pedals as well as I perhaps uh, would like to. And I actually found some of it really informative. And, of course, some of it was just plain silly and very funny. Um, but, yeah, it was very well made, I thought. I was talking to Josh about it a couple of weeks ago uh, off the, off the air. And he was like, okay, let me try to explain this concept to you. You're going to think I'm insane. And once he like told me, I was like, I could picture it in my head. And it actually came out almost exactly like what I was imagining it, imagining it to be. And yeah, it's not very often you're going to get me to sit through a YouTube video that long. And I watched the whole thing and I thought it was a lot of fun. And like Brian, I'm kind of looking forward to the next one. Who, who, I, I, who, sorry <laughs> no you're fine i was i have to say so josh who is the english accent he did uh he did an english accent in it of 
I think it was the owner of Macari's uh, um, musical shop in London, wasn't okay, it? Okay, yeah. And Josh, I love you, but you sound like Austin Powers. <laughs> and I'm just going to tell all our listeners, Brian doesn't have a great English accent because whenever he rings me, he always sort of starts off by going, hello, moit, as if... Like, hello! As if, hello, my man, how are you doing today? Right, right! And, and that's not how we sound in this country. Um, but yeah, the, the English oh, accent... Bob's your uncle, isn't it? Bob's your uncle. That's better. Yeah, no, that's not bad. I'm a fan of that, uh, Blake. You impressed me with your Bob's Your Uncle reference. Uh, I did really enjoy the uh, um, musical. I'm wondering if they bring it up to date. Who's going to play you, though, Brian? Or one of your pedals? It's, 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 got- funny, it's funny that you mentioned that. I actually, I actually thought that through. And I was like, I could see Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I could probably see that, yeah. Not bad, yeah. That's maybe if he choice. puts on, maybe if he puts on a little muscle, you know, a little more hair, we'll be good. Oh, not Dallas Buyers Club, Matthew McConaughey. No, 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 wrong, wrong, Matthew McConaughey. No, handsome hunk, Matthew. That's what oh. I'm going for. Ah, oh, yes, Lincoln lawyer. I got you. Okay. It's either that or it's Dana Carvey, or one or the other. I mean, he's going to have to do a think sequel. about it. You are kind of a blend of the two. <laughs> you threw Dana Carvey and Matthew McConaughey in a blender. You get Brian Wampler. <laughs> oh, that's that's my pick, anyways. <laughs> yeah, I look forward I like to that. It. Yeah, it was a it was a lot of fun. Everybody, go check it out. It, it should be noted also that they did it live. It was initially a live video, and they uh, they recorded it all, obviously, and posted it later. So what you're watching is a live performance it's not like edited together well it is edited together but it's all done on the fly costume changes and all so kind of a a unique piece of content i i quite enjoyed it yeah i agree definitely unique uh i look forward to the sequel what else we have on the agenda (laughs) I was just going to say, Brian's just next something that looks like magic mushrooms again. He's on the fungibles tonight. Might be sure. a fungible. It's Might be a fungible. Uh, no, I was honestly, I mean, the, the JHS thing, I was trying to think like once you get to like late 90s or 2000s, it becomes incredibly more complicated. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Definitely. Well, I mean, every business has grown sort of exponentially market wise as population has grown and as communication has grown so yeah it's just yeah but i i want to see someone dressed up as a line six pedal because they always look weird as hell uh, right. You could have two people. It'd be like the pantomime uh, horse, where you have someone dressed as the front and someone as the back. You could be the, uh, the the pantomime line six pedal. What do you do for multi effects though? Once you start getting into you know like Boss RP ones and stuff, pods, line six pods, even. The what pod, do you do? The pod's easy because it was quite small. So you just have someone dressed as a kidney bean shape. I never understood the shape of that. Was there a reason behind that? That's a good question. Who who was hmm. who was in the marketing meeting and thought, I got it. I got it. You all like beans and cornbread, right? <laughs> Check this out. So we make it the shape of a bean. You know, like Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're onto something. If you make it a bean shape, that just follows the natural curvature of your toes. <laughs> right, right. 
<laughs> you still haven't been to the chiropodist, then uh, I take it, Blake. Um, <laughs> I, oh, your feet don't look like that? No? <laughs> no. The they, yeah. Um, mm. I, yeah, I'd never understood that. But yes, definitely look forward to seeing someone dressed up as a Line 6 pod or or one of them wide delay units that Those DL4s. So yeah. Mm. Um, I like my DL4, yes, sir. But yeah, definitely some uh, s- some funny and and as you say, Blake, I watched it through all the way, and rarely do I sit through something all the way uh, in in one sitting. Anyway, um, so that's going to get a ridiculous number of hits. That's going to it. I mean, it, it's essentially going to become legendary. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's great to have people like that in this industry to uh, to make us all giggle. Yeah, definitely. Who is your favorite? Brian doesn't. Before we before we segue <laughs> completely out of this, who is your mine? Favorite? Was Octavia. Mine was. I'm going to go out there. Octavia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought Octavia I, had the best voice. I and think the best song. Well, see, I, I guess I'm not looking at it that way. I guess I, I was thinking of <laughs> what's your favorite battle? Like, how do you pick out? <laughs> how do you pick out like your favorite character? I mean, I, I like the I like the fuzz part of it, honestly. I thought it was kind of fascinating how the, the, fuzz fuzz, face the whole or? thing was fuzz. I was like, the whole <laughs> Sorry. thing was fuzz. What are you talking about? So that's minutes Sorry. one to 26. You're right, right. <laughs> I mean, sorry, I, I was thinking the, um, it would be the, fu- the fuzz face, the arbiter fuzz face. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, this is, stu- I just don't study history at all. I, I never looked at the fuzz face Wikipedia page. I did not know that that pedal was created from the base of a microphone stand. I had no idea until I watched that JHS video. And apparently that's like everyone knew that, but me. I, I just forgot. That until and that reminded me that I used to know that like five years ago. I totally forgot that's where it came from. And now it makes more sense, right? It's like, why is it round? Nothing else is round. Oh, this guy who didn't know anything about any of this stuff thought it would look cool. That's what, yeah, right. why it's round. <laughs> and Josh's, Josh's character on that was great. Oh, God, it, it looks like a face. Oh just, please! Just you're killing me, guys. I have to say, he he must have pre-cleared it with uh, with Mike Matthews. Oh, his Mike Matthews bit. I forgot about the, the that Mike was, Matthews bit. Was, that was, was fantastic. I I had I want to. I need to actually text him. I I want to know so bad if that was a real cigar he was chewing on. Like <laughs> I've never seen Josh, you know, smoke a cigarette or I can't imagine him putting a cigar in his mouth. Wow. So I um, liked how he was like, come on, kid, smoke this. Bring it in. Bring it in here. Yeah. That was great, man. That it, it, so to the listeners, you gotta watch it. Just look up the JHS musical, you'll find it. It's got forty thousand hundred billion trillion views now. So you'll find it. Yep. Cool. So other things, we we can't let this one go. Um the new Acoustasonic Jazz Master, Blake. We'll be right back. Is real music dying? What even is real music, and who are we to judge that? Well, my father is a lifelong musician, and together we've been making music for over a decade. In our new podcast, we dare to ask the urgent, the weird, and the deep questions, and we have a lot of wild stories to tell. No matter what genres you enjoy, whether you're a musician, a producer, or a listener, we invite you to discover unconventional perspectives on music. So tune in and go follow Mad Makings of Music wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Yeah. Um, so I have, I think I've talked about it on this show before. The Kustasonic stuff, I was extremely against when I first saw it. I was like, this is dumb. It's not going to work. I don't like it. No, no thank you. And then I played the Telecaster at NAM. Just, I was like, oh, I'll pick this stupid thing up and see what it's all about. And I, my mind was immediately changed. I was like, oh, wow, this actually is really, it is as advertised. It's a, it's a cool sounding blend of electric and acoustic that is truly a unique sound. And the Jazzmaster, I didn't think looked as good, like especially in the, the, the photos. But once I watched a bunch of demos with it and looked at it from different angles, I'm like more on board with it now than I was at first. And I'm super on board to to hear that Tim Shaw designed humbucker that they've got in the thing. Yeah. No. Well, it's never going to be aesthetically my favorite design. No. I it, think the it, Sonics might make up for it. It does very much look like Salvador Dali uh, designed it. It looks like a strap melted on a beach somewhere. Um, so design wise, never going to win me over. But I'm desperate to have my hands on probably the, the Telecaster version, but one of those Acoustasonics, uh, because they do sound, as you say, really ex- exactly what they pretend to be, that blend in between the two. Yeah, Which, not on a fan. Face of it, yeah, I knew Brian wasn't going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I, I gave it to you first, so we could have the positive spin first. <laughs> What don't you like about it, Brian, other than it's not a Telecaster? It's basically not a Telecaster or a 335. Um, so, yeah. Sucks! <laughs> Brian was noodling on the 335 before we started. It sounded pretty good, guys. I'm not going to lie. Those 335s um, yeah. are magic. Oh, and by the way, of, thanks. Yeah. Oh, no ahead, thanks sorry. to the uh, the Wampler Pedals group on Facebook for showing all the Gibson 335s. I had to actively avoid that, the whole Facebook thing yesterday because I kept wanting to open up Reverb and look for Gibson 335s. I've started looking at them too. I'm not going to lie, Brian. You've infected me. I'm going to buy one. I I already know it. I've been been wanting to buy that Emily Wolf signature that I've talked about on here before, and it just released today officially. And, uh, yeah. That looks lovely. Matt Gold, uh, Diamond F Holes. I'm... I'm so pumped. I'm actually having her back on the podcast next week to uh, talk about it. So that'll be fun. I'm trying to find it. I don't see the gold one. I see the cherry no, red it, one. It's black. No, it's 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 just black. And then the hardware is is instead it's gold, but instead of oh, being I a see. shiny, gold, I see it. Yeah, gotcha. I think they're calling it the stealth mm. stealth Sheridan. Mm. I think is what. Yes. They're calling it. Oh uh, yeah, and the diamond F holes. Brian's gone yeah. to his happy place. For those, uh, for those of us that I can see it, his, his eyes have glazed over. www.reverb.com. Funnily enough, I had the, I had the craziest uh, reverb experience earlier. Um, Mom.com we'll, we'll slash reverb, back. Brian, if you're going to go through with it. you know. Just oh, saying. sorry. <laughs> let, me give, let me give you a little affiliate income. We'll go through tonemob.com slash reverb to throw Blake a, you know, throw Blake a thanks. Thank you. So Thank I you. was flicking through Facebook earlier, as I tend to do, and an advert came up for Reverb. I was like, that's a friend of a friend of mine. Uh, and I knew he was kind of like a fairly uh, famous guitarist. Like uh, he's been around for a while. I actually didn't realize how long he'd been around for until I sort of reached out to my friend and said, 
I just saw Stuart's guitar. Uh, sorry, Stuart's my friend. Uh, I just saw your friend Steve's guitar on uh, uh, Reverb. Um, it's, it's beautiful. I can he drop it by ninety percent of the cost, please? <laughs> because <laughs> it's up for um, <clears throat> about thirteen thousand pounds. It's like a nineteen seventy Strat that he used when he toured with the Who. So it has some provenance. Uh, and it's in that gorgeous yellow colour that I love. And I was like, oh. But yeah, kind of freaky coincidence when you sort of see your friend scroll past you like that. And you're like, wait a minute. That's, oh yeah, that's his guitar. Oh, I can't afford it. For a second there, I thought you were going to mention it was David Gilmore's guitar or something. I was like, oh God, here we go again. <laughs> oh, you're not going to rag on me about the Gilmore already, are you? You know, uh, you know no. I've got backup I mean, this week, don't you? You know, I mean, Gilmore is no George Lynch. You know, it's just, he's no George Lynch. You can no say that Bettencourt. again. <laughs> I mean, he's, I respect him, but uh, he doesn't have the widdly widdlies, you know? He, he, he have does widdly have the widdly widdlies, just not those sort of widdly widdlies. Funnily enough, we, we were having this debate last night, because we'll, we'll come back to Gilmore in a minute, because there's more mileage here. But Brian found it fascinating when i told him that in this country the whole hair metal thing of the 80s didn't really hit in the same way we had our own hair metal but motley crew was not the biggest band on the planet and nor were rat or cinderella or any of brian's other favorites including doc and i'm I feel really bad about your uh, your childhood and being deprived <laughs> of those great treasures that we had here in america I mean, I, I kind of went straight through to thrash metal because I was a skater kid and my friend got me into Anthrax and Metallica, who were brand new back then. And well, Plus, you didn't have any good damn music, you know? <laughs> we I mean, had Iron Maiden. Did... We didn't need anything else. I told uh, you this. Okay, I love I love Maiden. I mean, and Iron Maiden has its definite place, but you can't skip from Iron Maiden to Pearl Jam or whatever you guys. You got you to have the 80s, but you got to have the docking. You got to, and even when that went into Lynch Bob, it was like a totally different band still with the man George Lynch behind it, you know? I mean, <laughs> don't even get me started on Lynch Bob. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like he had no Lay It Down, no Way Cool Jr. You didn't have a, you know, any Cinderella. You said Cinderella wasn't even that popular over there. I which, mean, we knew who we Slaughter. Were. Did, did, you had, you had Fly to the Angels though, right? Uh, what's that? What? <laughs> my life is a lie <laughs> i mean we might have done and i might not have paid attention to it to be fair because as i said i was listening to a lot of uh iron maiden when i was a, a teenager and, and not a lot of uh american metal although i did have a friend who who traded me the girls 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 um cassette tape mm -hmm. for uh live after death uh, and i did listen to that album when it came out it was all right it wasn't Maiden, though. Okay, but did you at least have Megadeth or Metallica prior Black Album stuff, like proper Metallica? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, probably the first metal record I bought was either, um, as, as in vinyl, was either Megadeth, Peace Sells, But Who's Buying, or um, I think it was Halloween, Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 1. I think either of those albums, but yeah, Meg Megadeth, I was a huge fan of. And 
yeah, Metallica. I kind of got into it Ride of the Lightning when that came out, and then and Master of Puppets. So I then sort of went off it all, uh, and Metallica weren't even part of my you know my tape cassette collection. You be- you became a big fan of Tone Loke, didn't you? That's it. <laughs> I went into my no MC Hammer and Tone Loke. Tell the truth, you're busting a move. Don't knock MC Hammer. I did try to teach Anna the MC Hammer dance the other night because she's got moves and I haven't. And uh, she could have pulled it off because she had some baggy trousers on. But that's a whole different story. And she won't thank me for sharing that, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so speaking of spouses, apparently uh, my wife listened to this podcast. Well, I think it was last week we were talking about glitter in the grout. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Oh, no. <laughs> she- she listened to it. She's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so what's new? She said, yeah, Pat. She said, you guys are so boring. Oh, my God, you're so boring. And I'm like, well, you're not. It's not for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I, it's okay. I feel I feel personally. Are we boring because we don't uh, want glitter in the grout? Is that what makes us boring? She, or a- apparently, she just wasn't a fan of uh, all the guitar gear talk, and you know, you know that sort we of thing. We barely even talked about guitar gear last week. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's trying to tell me something. Wait know? a minute. Maybe we need to talk about guitar gear. <laughs> I think that's yeah. the perfect cue for you to go and buy. A Gibson three three five, and I think so. uh, say, look how glittery this finishes. Oh, I would love to buy one, but it's just a bad use of money. Like I just, you know, I, it's like okay, five three thousand dollars. I could either do one of these other thousand things or buy another three thirty five. I need to sell guitars. I need to sell guitars. Uh yep, I. I think you do because you've got too many. You should send them to me first. I mean, I've said a lot I of things have that, on this podcast that I disagree with, and this has got to be the top of the whole heap. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I, I don't want to hear like, this. I quit. Talk. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I, I start to think, okay, if the strings rust on it because I haven't played it, I need to sell it. You know, someone else needs to play this thing, you know? I mean, or um, you just need to play it. Why would I? I have a 335 and the best Telecaster in the world. Oh, well. you know? Because you don't have so the best So you're really thinking you can go down to world. two. Ugh. No, no, I can't. But I, I mean, I do have, uh, I have a Paul Reed Smith SE that I never, ever, ever play. Well, actually, I can't. I need that for testing, so I can't get rid of that. Nice um, excuse. I have, a, I have a Brit Mason Valley Arts that I'd never play, but I just keep it because I'm a Brit Mason fan. Um, but I probably should sell that and buy the Fender Brent Mason now. I really this is a plan. That. This I like. This is sensible. Mm-hmm. Upgrading, yeah, yeah. not yep. not cross grading. Yeah. I'm here but I don't this. like I I don't even know how many telecasters I, I have so many telecasters that I don't know how many I have. That's 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 frivolous. How many Fender telecasters do you have? Oh Fender telecasters, I have two. See, I don't have any. I have two Telecasters. Neither of them are Fenders. So I am thinking I need to amend this situation at some point and see what the OG's like. Yeah, I mean, they're my least favorite ones, honestly. Okay, but you've got fancy connections that get you like 
properly <laughs> built artisanal sourdough type. I, uh, I do know uh, people that know people, right. so that does help. That does help sometimes. Have either but, uh, of you guys ever played a, a, a Sir just while we're on the... I've played Andy's. Yeah, Mm-hmm. And and are they as good as everyone says? Oh, I mean, you can't say anything negative, clearly. But the, the Sir tea style has definitely popped up a few times in my feed, and I thought mm, one day. And of course, this, Andy this is, is a my big take fan. on on it. And I think, well, I think that they're great. They're tremendously built instruments. But the, for me, every time I've played one, and granted, this hasn't been very many times. It's only been like two or three times. It kind of reminded me of that thing where, like, you know how a PRS is kind of perfect? Right. But, yep. it, but it's, no like, more. too perfect yeah. in a weird way. If you're way. not fighting against it, there's no soul. Yeah. it it That's kind of what the Sirs have reminded me of. It's like, man, this is almost too good of a guitar, if that makes any sense. I know that probably sounds insane, uh, but... That's kind of my take on it. I'm like, now this guitar is exact- almost, it's just its just not arguing with me quite enough. I need somebody to talk back a little bit. Not that I want it to be uncomfortable. I just, I don't know. It just didn't, didn't fire me up the way I, I like a guitar to fire me up. The only, I've played Andy Woods whenever, like at NAMM and stuff, but I've never really, I've never owned one. I know John Sir makes great stuff. I mean, people love his guitars and... Uh, you know they do great work, but I know when I played Andy, I was like this is heavy, um, not super heavy, but it felt just heavier than what I was used to. And I, I tend to like really light guitars. And um, at the end of the day, every time I every time I play a Telecaster, I just I sound like a commercial. But I keep thinking this just isn't a Whitfield, you know, which is the ones that my other Telecasters are. It just, uh, I guess I'm just so used to those and those just feel like home. So it's interesting. Well, I'm, I, I might get to try your Whitfield at some point if, uh, you know, the world goes back to normal. But uh, it's, it looks a, like they're doing NAM this year. Yeah. Yeah. I did find uh, listening to your Tone Mob podcast the other day with Josh uh, and his sort of NAM views on that quite interesting, actually, uh, Blake. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he came to the conclusion he did, which is we're not doing Nam before Nam got canceled. Yeah, uh, not yeah, which spoiler I guess the whole we, thing, we knew but, about, but it was interesting yeah. to hear his take on it. Yeah, basically, in a nutshell, for those who haven't listened to it yet, Josh basically said we spent like fifty thousand dollars doing Nam, and they got everything loaded up in the crate, and they were like sitting in the car going to the airport or whatever exactly the situation was i can't remember but basically the end of nam and he just looked at the team and is like we're not doing this next year we're not like and that was before covid was in full effect so that's just uh, the conclusion he came to in a nutshell there's more nuance to it if you want to go and listen but that's the nutshell version yeah that's kind of where i'm feeling at right now you know we talked about it before the biggest thing i'll miss is you know, hanging out with people that I only get to see at Nam, and actually meeting customers, you know, in in person. But as far as what Nam used to be for, doesn't really serve its purpose for us anymore. I got a ton of messages after that episode as well because Josh and I had talked about the thing that you and I, Brian, have talked about on this show a million times. Is just like, how about all of us pedal people 
just pick a spot and a day or two days and have a big have our own thing like how much cooler would that be and josh was like yeah let's do it basically so yeah you know if if uh if the rona gets behind us i actually think that's more likely to happen uh than it ever has been i'm i'm definitely more down to like take a role and try to push that idea forward because i think a lot of people would be into it and i got a ton of messages from people being like yes please make this a thing pedals and food trucks it can't get any better than that (laughs) (laughs) will the food trucks serve black puddings and baked beans oh stop i i I texted blake earlier about pizza and his response was i'm not having any of your beans on toast come on now (laughs) what's wrong with you that's a delicacy blake Make no, great we need taco. Oh. taco trucks is what we need. Yeah, taco, taco trucks. trucks. Definitely taco trucks. Burger trucks. Pizza trucks. Falafel trucks. You know, Fry up trucks. Fish and chip <laughs> trucks. Yes, definitely. We actually have a really great fish and chip truck here in Portland. The Frying Scotsman, it's called. Oh, Very good. nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. the free dose of statins to lower your blood pressure. Or blood, oh, uh, cholesterol. Hey. But also, you don't have the right cod over there because Atlantic cod and Pacific cod and North Atlantic cod are all very different, apparently. So I, I your, gotta, your fish I, I, is invalid. Your fish have weird accents, I guess, huh? <laughs> Our fish are fancy. They wear bow ties. They're like, excuse had, me, can, do you fish. have any kind of worms, any other type of worms right there, mister? <laughs> I've had your fish, Richard, and I got to say, it is very, very good, but we have some contenders here in town that I think you would you would approve of. I'm opinion. sure I would. I'm being very mean to you again, Blake. I feel sometimes <laughs> I pick on you uh, because you do live in the hipster capital of the entire universe and... I can see nothing other than you walking down the street and being passed by penny farthings and things like that. So I apologize. I, I And I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I love it. <laughs> Awkward silence. <laughs> yes. like so, deep um, <laughs> well, I was just about to tell you guys about my, uh, my new MIDI switcher setup. Um, I've joined the dark side finally, and uh, I've got a switcher plumbed into my board. Uh, funnily enough, it was because I was chatting to the gentleman we're about to talk to, um, Lee, uh, and I- I'll introduce a little bit more about him in a minute. But uh, I needed to get real control over certain parameters, and the only way really was via MIDI. So I thought, huh, let me give it a go. And uh, I found it really, really easy. And I now have, you'd be so super happy for me, Brian. I have a total of 20 Pink Floyd patches all set up so I can play through an hour-long set of Pink Floyd by just tapping like two buttons at a time. Well, you know the worst part about that? Go for it. You'd have to play an hour of Pink Floyd. (laughs) Oh, See, he just couldn't leave it. So I think it's probably a good time for me to bring on board uh, my my bouncer for this evening, I guess. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm just going to try and uh, patch him in. Um, this is a, a gentleman called Lee Harris who plays in um, a band called Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. And... 
He plays lead guitar. Um, Nick Mason was, for your information, Brian, because I know you don't know, uh, Nick Mason was the drummer of Pink Floyd when they were still playing together. Um, an absolute musical legend. And he decided to go on tour with uh, a, a kind of band of, um, I guess you could say, seasoned session musicians. But when I tell you the lineup, it's a little bit better than that. Um, and do all of Pink Floyd's early music. Oh, well, see, you lost me there. I was thinking, all right, well, he got out of the hell he was in. <laughs> but then like, but then he went and played songs that were inside of the hell he was at. What? What kind of sense does that make? Oh, you're so, so wrong. I mean, for people who've never really heard anything other than Another Brick in the Wall Part 2, i.e. Brian, uh, that, you know, P Pink Floyd... <laughs> prior to uh, Dark Side of the Moon, were at the forefront of British psychedelic rock, um, which I believe we probably exported out to your country. And, you know, you probably still need to thank us for that. Uh, probably not. Uh, but no, they're a, an amazing band. So it's, uh, it, it's Leon Guitar. He's joined by um, Gary Kemp, who uh, was one half of the Kemp brothers in Spandau Ballet. Um, Guy Pratt on bass guitar, who uh, was Pink Floyd's touring bass player. I've seen him play with uh, David Gilmore. Um, he also played some of the parts on on the wall, uh, I believe. Um, they have a great keyboard player, um, Dom, who uh, deputises for um, uh, what Rick Wright did for that band, which was absolutely insane, the, the sound effects. Uh, and, and as I say, Lee... Uh, Leon lead and Nick Mason on drums, who is, I think, 74. And if I could play drums as well as him at, at 74, um, I would be a very happy man. Uh, you have to be super fit to pull it off. Um, and, and a lot of people will wrongly say about Nick that he's, you know, had a very easy job because people think about songs like Comfortably Numb, which has the world's most boring drum beat in it. Listen to some of the early stuff. Brian, that's aimed at you again. He was <laughs> incredibly creative, and, and, and the whole band is absolutely uh, tight as hell. So we saw them hmm, two years ago. I took the wife. I wish I'd have taken some fungibles. I tell you, that was the gig <laughs> for fungibles. Ah, And, you know, you could just tell by watching them that they, they have an absolute great time on stage, but I, I was chatting to Lee, I'm going to say end of last year. Um, he's very into his effects as we'll find out. And, uh, he, he asked whether we had anything that was similar to a Butler tube driver. Um, and I think he's also got a tumness in his arsenal. So he sort of swapped a few messages. I think we've now sent him a frustration to try out too. Uh, and that's when I asked you to go and Tell me what you know about the Butler tube driver there, Bri. Oh, I know. Yeah, quite a bit about that. I think I think we sent a Leviathan to Gilmore at one point. I don't remember if we sent a Velvet Fuzz or not. But I know we sent some, we probably sent some other stuff too, but I remember we definitely sent a Levi Leviathan at one point. Um, so I remember talking to the tech quite a bit about it. And the main complaint was, this isn't a big muff. <laughs> but I, I know you've. You wanted a different kind of fuzz to try. <laughs> like that's kind, that's kind of the that's kind of what I'm saying. Um, but you get that. I mean, that's part of the whole pedal game. Is I want a different overdrive. 
this doesn't sound as good as my full drive. You know, like, well, <laughs> it's because it's a tube screamer. You're used to it. You know, it's a tube screamer circuit. So Gil will never return the pedals, though. No, no, we would not. No, I don't. Nah. And uh, I, I believe that's Lee joining us now under the uh, randomly picked name of Understanding Skywalker. Nice work, Squadcast. <laughs> so, yeah, um, we're, we're privileged to be joined by Lee Harris from Source Full of Secrets, as I just said, and uh, and the Blockheads. Hi, Lee. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Nick, Nick Mason's Source Full of Secrets. Sorry, <laughs> my bad. I've just had to explain to Brian who Nick Mason was. He was like, sure. I, I'm, I've never heard of him. He, no, he's no, a, of he's a car guy. He's into cars. <laughs> he he oh, really is into cars. Oh, now you have my blank. attention. Oh, yeah, I like cars. Um, <laughs> I think he had a Ferrari 250 at one point, didn't he? Do you know something? It's really bad because all of that is completely lost on me because I'm not a car guy. <laughs> <laughs> he but has, yeah, he the has something like I think he has a Ferrari that's worth about forty million pounds or or thereabouts. Wow. That's that's quite a few uh ES three five fives you could buy with that money, Brian. Mm, <laughs> even even Gibsons at that. <laughs> Multiple Gibsons. Well, steady on there. You could maybe buy one or two Gibsons for that. Right. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, he is a, a, a big car guy. I've actually, I've randomly got one of his business cards, but I'll, I'll tell my Nick Mason story <laughs> a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> so, Lee, so as I said to the other guys before we got started, the large percentage of our listeners are, like Brian and myself, just ignorant American rednecks, uh, not to insult anybody. <laughs> no, they're but, not. Uh, <laughs> accurate. Pretty accurate here. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> yeah. So it might be a good thing to get the, you know, maybe the 30,000 foot view of you and what you do so we can fill them in before we go into just random gear conversation. So with the, um, with the Source Full of Secrets project, I, I take it. Um, yeah, that so, probably makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So because so, if we go on about the other one, no one will know what we're talking about with the blockheads because you guys didn't even know what they were, which is totally understandable. To educate. Richard, Richard did. I thought he was saying injury. I'm like, what, well, what, about, it, what about getting hurt? Which is, which is actually really funny because uh, there's an actor called Martin Freeman who was in The Hobbit and in The English yeah. Office, and he really liked Ian Jury and the blockheads, and he thought that his name was Ian Jury, like injury, because it right. was kind of like a punk band. So he thought that was his name, Injury. You know. Anyway, um, I digress. So the project- <laughs> Welcome that, to the Chasing Tone podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they're just free associate all over the place. So, so um, with this project, Nick Mason's Source Full of Secrets, it was actually, it just came about really because um, I wanted to play again. And um, I'd moved to France- um, where the internet is really bad, the internet speed is really bad. <laughs> That's what we've discovered. Uh, <laughs> and um, I, I uh, started. I built. I built and renovated part of our house into a sort of vacation rentals, and I'd taken a break from playing. And then my friend Guy Pratt, who plays bass with, uh, played bass with Pink Floyd when Roger Waters left, and carries carried on playing with David Gilmore, was on about three hours away on tour for David's uh, solo album at the time, which is called Rattle That Lock. So I went to see them and I hadn't played for about maybe two and a half years or so. And I came away from that thinking, oh man, I really miss playing. It really, 
in great season. Album, so I, great tour. It, it is a great album, I think, and so do you. Yeah. And so, so I, I came back and I, I didn't really have a lot of pedals. I started looking at what Gilmore was using and bought a few things and a year went by and they came back again and I went to see them again and during that show I was just thinking I really miss really miss playing I'd love to play with Guy again because we'd played before and um, I had the idea for putting this thing together with if Nick was interested in in playing the early Pink Floyd stuff simply because there were like so many tribute bands all playing the same set list from you know, the 1994 tour, so they were all playing Comfortably Numb and Money, which is great, but, you know, I I don't think Guy would have been interested in going out and playing all that stuff, especially not with David. And um, cut a long story short, Nick was interested and, in, you know, we've now released an album and a Blu-ray and that all came out back in September. And, and then obviously we all know what came along, so so we, we, we didn't do anything... Um, Last year, I think we've we've actually rescheduled our tours. I think two or three times now. So we were um, stopped in our tracks, as everyone else was. And yeah. uh, uh, I mean, guy, yeah. guy's obviously done quite a lot of podcasting in in the year off. How have you been filling your time? Buying effects uh, pedals? Uh, no, I think I've practically got them all. Um, <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> I feel like everyone when they say that they've, um, you know. They, they've done Netflix. I kind of, it's, I've just done so many, so many pedals now. Um, um, That's a good way of putting it. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> um, do you know what? I, I've done a couple of, of remote sessions from home for um, the other guitar player in the band, Gary, Gary Kemp. He's just done a solo album. So I've played on, I did some lap steel stuff on that and a friend of mine called Jeff Very Slate. Cool. So I've been doing a bit of that, but mostly... Not an awful lot. I have been. I've done Netflix. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I've completed Netflix. I'm on to the next <laughs> level. Right, I finished the internet. We're done with it. Yeah. <laughs> I've scroll. You can scroll no further. You have reached the bottom of the feed. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, what does your board look like for for this uh, this project? Yeah. So the the boards. I've changed it now, but the board that I went out with, which did about seventy three shows or so was was like 14 pedals and the reason it was that many was because small then yeah yeah in fact it was quite funny all All right well no the funny thing was um the guys at the gig rig put it together for me and they kept they they got um chris at custom pedal boards to make the board and he kept saying but you know it's going to be really heavy. You can't get it on a on a plane, and you're going to have to carry it. And I was like, No, I don't have to carry it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it has to be carried. Yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't matter. Just we just need it to be what it is. So, um, right. as they say in the Irishman, it's what it is. So, so um, we. Um, well, I'm trying to think. Yeah. So what happened was I I ended up because I'm in France, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, and there's no one around here who can put pedal boards together. And I really didn't fancy doing it. I bought all these pedals, um, got them over to the gig rig guys, and they just put everything together for me. And I plugged in and hoped that all these pedals that I'd bought would do what everyone on the internet said they would do. And they kind of <laughs> did. Um, 
I then got into scrapes like when we got to a very hot Europe in the summer last year and you know two of the pedals suddenly didn't work because they were Jama- they were germanium fuzzes um yeah. so you know you start I think you know me was I'm someone who didn't really have an awful lot of I didn't have a, a lot of knowledge about pedals I didn't know about stuff like that so it's all been a learning curve for me I was always a you know plug into an amp guy and of course I got the bug as soon as I started doing this project <laughs> well I, I'm not gonna lie I, I saw you guys uh, live in Salisbury and before you came on stage I was duty bound to go and have a, a little look at the um <laughs> pedal boards of you and uh well and guy and uh and gary, gary i guess yeah. um and uh i saw at least one delay flashing away i think you may have had two on the board but there were two there talk were two, us a little um, bit through some of the pedals you've got got yeah, on that tour then so there's there were two free the tone um flight times um there's a free the tone eq on it um i've got a king of tone which I was supposed to say that I waited in line for, but I'm not going to lie. And uh, <laughs> it's okay. Mike might be okay with that. And um, <laughs> uh, an, an analog uh, by comp and wow. Um, analog man, there would have been an NKT275. That was, that's a Germanium one, isn't it? I think. And, I think so. Yeah. And that, I think it is. Yeah. That's the one that, that, that went quiet on me. And then the, uh, it was something like a hundred degrees on the stage, you know. And then we had, um, um, trying to think what else there was. Yeah, that's his fuzz face, and that's centigrade, yeah. not Fahrenheit, Brian. I'm just going to point that out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, 99 degrees in the shade. And then, then, um, what was there? I'm trying to think what else there is on there. Um, um, I, I Richard keeps talking about it, this tube driver thing that you're crazy about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get you got one, didn't you? I do have one, yeah. What mm-hmm. what do you what do you make of it, Brian? Hmm. It's so I've I've had several over the years. Yeah. I mean it's it does what it does. Yes. I'm I'm not like I'm not the biggest fan of it for what the kind of stuff that I do. Yeah. Um but it definitely it's unique and it's it's I mean it's patented, really. So you don't see really too many clones. No. Or at least not there shouldn't be. Um, you know, unless it's just somebody somewhere that ends up making one. But as far as companies go, you can't really make one unless you license it from, yeah. from BK Butler. Yeah. It's um it what it does is it does give you if you know, if you're play, blasting it out through a loud amp, it just it does give you that Gilmore sound. And that's what he's mm-hmm. been using, I think, for the last twenty five, six, seven years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and you can get things that sound like it, but nothing's ever exact, you know. And I, I was doing my head in on this this last year because I, I pared my my pedal down to about my board down to about seven pedals, and I had that I had three of them on the board like David does, and I just thought, do you know what? I, I'm in this position where I don't really have to go out and be like I'm in a tribute band because we we kind of make the things our own in a way and. I thought, I don't want to do that. And so I was putting all these other pedals on the board. And eventually, three or four days ago, I just thought, nah, it's got to be the tube driver for that sound. Because it's <laughs> it's what, it's it's the sound people expect to hear. And yeah. it's quite interesting on doing it on the old tunes because um, 
he wasn't he didn't have that back then so kind of it, it's gonna be it will sound like if he was playing the tunes now which he isn't um but yeah i mean i, I i'm gonna use that but i think the other ones i had on the board were a couple of free the tone uh a string slinger and i forgot the red mm-hmm. mist that was the other one and i was using the red mist for the sid barrett tunes because it sounded very for one of a better description it just sounded very sort of 60s but Adrian Thorpe at Thorpe at Thorpe effects is mm-hmm. actually working yep. on a um um on an on a pedal that basically sounds exactly like the Selma treble and bass amp that Sid used back in the day and I I've been over and and um you know had a play for it and it was it was spot on I mean it really was mm-hmm. I actually had a I had a um an isolated track of Sid's from the first album that I took down, listened to it, and it was it was it was fantastic. And he's still working on that, so I'm hoping that will be ready for when we go back out. Yeah, Adrian's a good guy. He's lovely. He's lovely. Yeah. So, and I, I'm assuming as as you put the um, yeah, the project together, as it were, uh, you've known Nick for a, a fair amount of time. Is that fair to say? I um no, I actually, I actually got to Nick through Guy. Um, okay. I went to so guy, guy with, with the your I- contact. Yeah, I went to guy with the idea. Um he said that's a really good idea but he'll never go for it. Probably because <laughs> Nick I think he'd only played um I think he'd like played like, you know, a handful of times in the last 25 years or so. And I think um uh yeah, so I think about a month went by and I went back to guy and said do you know what? I can't shake this idea. How do I get the idea to him? And he went, okay, write it out properly and I'll get it to him. And he sent it off to Nick. He said something like, this may be mad, but I thought you should see this. And he sent it to Nick. And about an hour later, Nick wrote back, not mad, interesting. And we had a meeting three months later in February 17. And that's when I met Nick and guy wasn't there, there yet. And, um, Nick Nick said to me, so so what have you been up to? Probably expecting me to reel off a whole list of famous people that I've been doing sessions with. And I answered, I've been building a house. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Sounds like a man after your heart, Brian. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. exactly. I think he was, I, he thought that was quite intriguing, I think. And um, yeah, and so and that, that was that. So I, I didn't know him before then, but we were all very, I mean, we're all very friendly now. Nick is clearly a legend musically and and in england he's he's also you know very well regarded and i guess well loved because they were a fantastic band in their their prime clearly and you know he he was well known i i have uh i have a funny uh nick mason story which comes from about 20 years ago when i ended up buying the most expensive signed drumsticks in the world i believe although i might be proved wrong after this but um i got involved in a company that was making uh t-top roofs for lotus elise sports cars and i invested tens of thousands into this company uh and uh nick's daughter so she had a lotus elise and wanted one of these roofs and i said we'll get you a roof can you get me a set of of signed drumsticks she was like yeah absolutely and in my cabinet behind me i've got a 
a set, um, you know, inscribed to me, um, which at the time I thought were rare. I'm, I'm led to believe uh, that actually he signed quite a lot of drumsticks. But um, <laughs> said company went bust. I lost uh, enough money to buy a decent family car and and a Gibson uh, three five five, not not a Ferrari, um, and. Uh, yeah, uh, that's all I've got to show for it is those two drums and <laughs> <The> drumsticks. <laughs> but hey, I love them. I've never played See, them. See, there you go. See, another way that Pink Floyd has ruined your life. <laughs> he does. Um, he probably does sign a lot of drumsticks. One of his favourite lines is with his book. He wrote an autobiography, which is actually a lot of photographs as well. It's yeah, a big book. It. It's like a coffee table book. And um, people always bring it to gigs. The weird thing is at gigs is at the end of the show when people just put up like all these big hardback books and albums to sign as if an artist is going to stand on stage and sign lots of stuff at the end of a show. But anyway, he, he, one of his favorite lines is, um, Oh, I see you have a rare unsigned copy of the book. (laughs) <laughs> my, my copy is signed i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i have one of his business cards because uh a, f- a friend of mine did some charity work with him and he showed it to me and i said oh let me have that so i have his mobile number and there have been at least one or two times i'll be like should i just text him just just see how he's doing see if he wants to text messages exactly <laughs> i love Richard's you so much <laughs> love you. Gordon. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure Nick, you would. I know you don't know me, but I love you, man. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, obviously he's getting on a bit and I've I've seen you guys play and he played through the set and to my ears did not drop a beat. How the hell does he manage that? Uh, must no, he, be 73, 74 now. Well, no, he's actually uh he's going to be 78 in January, but his oh my as God. he he's oh, wow. fond of of telling us that his doctor did when we were picking the set list, he, his doctor did ask him to not play anything f- with a tempo faster than his heartbeat. <laughs> Which actually now, isn't all the, that difficult. <laughs> the amount of caffeine Brian's drunk today, that would be some uh, some jungle or, speed or metal. some, yeah, some gavel. <laughs> <or some speed laughs> so let me to, uh, ask you a little bit about your guitars, because I absolutely noticed, uh, I think it was an Aztec Gold, uh yeah. strat you were playing um mm. let me uh l- let the uh, listeners know a little bit about your guitars this is when i forget <laughs> what they are so i i do have that and i for some reason i suddenly i know what it was i didn't want to be the guy who had a black strat <laughs> in the band <laughs> in fact none of us have a black strat in the band although gary does gary did buy one of those um uh Gilmore Custom Shop black straps, and Guy was given one, which actually has a the, the back plate has a you know to Guy from David and a kiss on it. Um, but I didn't want to be Aww. the guy with, with, with the black strats, so um, I went the other way and thought I'll get a gold guitar. Hence that gold strat, which I think Mike Clement, who looks after my gear when we were on on the road, who also happens to be Tony Iommi's tech. Um, thought I'd name drop there. Um, um, now Brian's oh, who, listening. Who? who? <laughs> another so, uh, another Tony English used to play Motley, Motley Crue in, in 84, right? Mm, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah. He did loads of Mike Varney shrapnel record stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, right. um, uh, um, so um, 
I, I, you know, Mike, Mike didn't like the tuners that were on it because if he needs to change a string, you know, th- things like that, I just say, well, look, just do what you need to do. I, I'm not that precious about things like that. Uh, so there's that. There's a there's a Grey Guitars um, Admiral, which is basically a, like a Telecaster. Um, oh, there you go. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Well, what else do I use? Like, uh, I've gone completely blank because it's been so. It's been July 19 was the last well, time we were yeah. on stage, and actually, all of my gear What's is the in, stage. Is yeah, exactly. All, all my gear is in is in the UK. So uh, I tell you what, the other thing is, which I shouldn't have forgotten, is when we got back from doing our American tour, um, Nick gifted us, as you would say in America, he gifted Gary and I. Um, a replica of Sid Barrett's mirror guitar, um, which was a, an Esquire, cool. uh, but it was actually made for us by Phil Taylor, who is David Gilmore's tech. Well, probably more wow. than his tech. He looks after all the equipment. Um, uh, he's the head of backline for the Floyd. Uh, so that's pretty, that was pretty cool. And I used that in the, in the video, in the, in the concert we we uh, did at the roundhouse that was filmed and recorded. I, I'm pretty sure you told me that you had to only buy gold guitars just to uh, piss off Gary Kemp, having written <laughs> well, Spandau Ballet's hits gold. on gold. Is, is that I, not well, the, the case? I, no, the, the case was I I got the gold. I got that gold guitar, and then I realised, hold on a minute, I'm in a band with the guy who wrote Gold. What am I doing? You know, um, and I <laughs> if did, you don't turn up in a gold suit next time, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> well, I want maybe, a gold lame suit. If, if I carry on eating the way I am, there's no way that's going to happen. But but, uh, but uh, um, um, I, try, I think that was it. I think I also use a Gibson, an acoustic that Gary lends me because otherwise I would have had to have bought another acoustic guitar just for a three-minute song. So I don't even know what it is. It's some expensive Gibson guitar. Um, but I have had a... Um, uh, the custom shopper made me a, a gold Telecaster to, to go with the... Um, with the strap that's got a Bixby on it, which I haven't seen yet. It's gone back, it's gone back to England and then the coronavirus hit. So I haven't seen it. Um, and a music man, I got a, there's a music man, Albert Lee model that I got that, that used to belong to Walter Becker from Steely Dan. Mm. There you go. An American guitar player. There you go. He used yeah. to buy, he bought a fair few of our pedals. I think actually, Brian, I remember when his stuff got auctioned, there was a fair yes. few Wamplers in his, uh, collection. He it was pedals. in that. That's the auction that I um that I got it in, and I saw there were there were loads of pedals, and there were a few wamplers, definitely. Huh. Yeah, it's always weird because you never, you just never know really who's using your stuff because most artists very seldom will. Well, you know, most huge artists, if they want something, they'll just buy it. Yeah. Um. You know. So I mean, mo- most of them don't say, "Hey, can I get a ten percent discount or whatever?" <laughs> They're just like, right. "Just buy a bunch of stuff, and I'll sort through and figure out what I want." You know, uh, so you never you never really know who's using your stuff. Absolutely. When, when I got the um, when the I bought three of his guitars, and um, when they arrived, one of them actually had the Amex bill from the Chicago music shop. He'd bought stuff, and it was like ten thousand yeah. dollars worth of stuff he'd bought. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, you know, he clearly hadn't gone to Dennis Fano or wherever it was and said, "Can I have right. a discount?" You know, he just bought it all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been several times where uh, <laughs> a, a music store will say, "Hey, um, I don't want to name drop 
this particular person, but they say, hey, this person just bought like, you know, you know, 15,000. They basically were sitting in a hotel room bored and just ended up buying a bunch of gear and they bought like one of everything, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And you're like, well, that's cool. But it kind of is cooler if you see them using it. Like I remember it's been a, when we were first kind of getting, really getting started about around 2000, maybe 10 or so, Mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine was backstage with Jeff Beck and said that he was using one of our Euphoria pedals. And I was like, Jeff Beck is using one of my pedals. That's pretty cool. (laughs) I mean, I never, I don't know Jeff. I've never met Jeff. He just somewhere, somehow got a hold of one and, and was using it, you know? And I mean, that to me is, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome. Absolutely. It is awesome. And it, 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 for, for me, when I, you know, obviously I have a small role in designing the pedals with you, Brian. And, and when I see them go to people who I look up to, I, it, it's absolutely mind blowing sometimes, and it it's the best part of this job. Which reminds me, actually, we have sent you out a frustration, Lee. Um, yes, and I hope uh, Thank you that gets some uh, use. Uh, I'd love to hear you uh, put some uh, Pink Floyd numbers through it. I was telling the chaps earlier. I've just set my uh, ES5 MIDI switcher up, and uh, I have twenty yeah. Floyd related patches on it now. <laughs> uh, that's an hour's worth of playthrough. Brian <laughs> cannot wait to hear it. Oh yeah, I was I was I was going to ask you if you could set my MIDI switcher up the same. That way I could enjoy an hour of Pink Floyd songs. It'd be fantastic. When I started buying all these pedals about three or four years ago, I actually, um, I you know, obviously I, I I hadn't been looking at anything on YouTube involving guitar, and um, I first I think I must have come across. Um, you know, uh, Mick and Dan doing that pedal show. And, right. and then I came across this guy. He was, I found really interesting and I had no idea that he had a, an effects company cause he had like these big, I think it was, it was a parametric EQ and a, and a, and a, bo- an Empress parametric and a boss G seven. And he was just going through how, why it's good to have EQ pedals. And it was you, Brian. And I, I, and, and it, was, and, and it wasn't. Just say, that sounds like a video I made. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you weren't even um, showcasing your own pedals, and I was, and I, I had no idea that you, met, you know, that you were a pedal maker. So I was watching this thing. That's actually a really cool. Idea. And I bought an EQ pedal. Wasn't one of yours. I don't know if you do one. But, 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 a little know, later, but, we bought but, one. <laughs> but um, no. So I, I found all these, all these videos quite engrossing but you're one of the first people that i found so it's really cool to be on here with you i'm glad you uh, later on went to find quality channels (laughs) 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 i'm kidding oh brian don't knock yourself your video and i'm the same actually lee i i ended up here because i bought a sovereign from a a shop local to me uh and then nerded (laughs) out about it because i loved it and i was like let me uh let me check out on the internet and i came across a video uh with our good friend uh henning Pauly bry um yeah. and he was really prodding you quite severely about um the uh sort of um technicalities of it so you came on i was like wow that's the guy that made the pedal how did how did he get him how does this whole industry work and and what are pedals again uh so uh yeah uh, you, you are pedal famous bry don't don't forget it dude 
Do you know? I guess um, there's worse things to be, huh? <laughs> yeah. W- one of the things I was thinking when I when I was thinking I was coming on here earlier on was when I first started playing, I got I got a I was very lucky. I got a I, my dad bought me a few pedals. So I had a, a Yamaha compressor, a terrible Dunlop fuzz that was. I think it was like a band of gypsies fuzz or a Hendrix fuzz or something, but it was not very good and a delay pedal. But I had no idea about, you know, what order they should go in. I just thought, well, I've got all these pedals. So I'd at any one time I would just plug them in, in any order and just think, well, they, you know, I've got them there on, they should be working, you know? And, um, you know, I, you know, they just sound different every time I put them on because they were never in the right order. I had delay before <laughs> done, you know, before the, the fuzz and oh, God knows what was going on. Isn't that so the right I, order? I, I, well, I just, I always, well, it might be for someone, you know, but, but, you know, I just thought I was always having off days every now and then, you know, it was just <laughs> ter- it's terrible. And it, it wasn't, and then I think the next thing that happened was I got a, um, one of those Digitech Pro, uh, processors, uh, you know, the legend or something. And, and that was all right because everything was in the right order. You know? <laughs> right. So, and then the next thing happened was I just started playing through an amp because I was playing lots of blues and then some funk stuff. And I just, I was playing it through the amp. So when I, when I was doing this project and went, went to buy pedals, finally from, you know, with the magic of YouTube and the internet, which wasn't around in 1991 when I start when I was, you know, I'd been playing for four years by then. I could, I learned about the right order to put things in, or at least, you know, maybe not right. the right order, but, you know, the, something the that typical would, order. Yeah, the typical, the conventional order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think it's a shame some pedals, or maybe all pedals, they should come with, a, a, you know, the instructions should maybe say, give an example of the order they should go in, because there must be loads of guys who don't know what they're doing. You know what, Richard? That's actually a really good idea. I was going to say, I'm just going to copyright this right now. If anyone in, is, is listening to this, that's a Wampler uh, product there. Thank you, Lee. I'll send you the fiver later, my friend. I, I did actually send it the idea back to me in the self-addressed envelope. Oh, uh, well, that's a great idea. No, I, I just think, you know, because of course, you know, we all kind of know, but, you know, the some people don't. And, you know, people of all ages are buying guitars and, and pedals. They don't know necessarily what order it might work in. Metal Zone Especially followed with- by Metal Zone followed by Metal Zone. <laughs> no, 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 no. Reverb into Metal Zone is the way you do oh. it. Trust me on mm. this. Yes. Yeah. That sounds like a mountain. That sounds like a room full of bees is what that sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I, I noted to myself while I was doing the mixing on this latest project, it was like, oh, I don't really know that much about mixing. That's not my thing. But un- because I've played with pedals for so long and experimented with so many weird orders and stuff, I kind of had an inherent idea of how to chain like the different plugins for different things to get different sounds that I don't think I would have understood having not been a huge effects nerd for so many years. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't want to put the reverb on this, you know, on this particular one before my compressor, because that'll take, you know, that's not doing what I want it to do in that case. So it's right. kind of weird how playing with this can translate into other areas of creating sound and whatnot. Yep. Very true. You know, well, there's things well, like, hey guys, um, I'm a, what, what you were saying? I'm going to have to wrap it up okay. in just a minute. Cool. 
But um, is there uh, is there like if someone wants to go look for your stuff, what where should they go look? For oh, your stuff? so well, I'm really on. Um, I'm on Instagram as Mr. Mr. Lee Harris, and Facebook. I think I'm Lee Harris official. I think, but yeah, I mean that's that's it. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm and not there's a, a Blu-ray. I'm not an influencer or anything. No, no. You'll find pictures of me and my dog, you know, and, and my wife Danny, and you know, in our house in France. Same as me and Brian, except we don't live in France. Yeah, <laughs> but there's a there's a Blu-ray out of the Roundhouse gig, right? There is a Blu-ray out. Uh, Nick Mason's Source for the Secrets live at the Roundhouse. There's a Blu-ray and a, a, a DVD and, a, and a, a CD. I think the CD comes with a with a DVD and and a vinyl as well. And and it's obviously available on streaming. And I have to say, I've yes. streamed it a fair few times. And Brian, I know after this you're going to go stick it on and chill out with some beautiful uh, early Floyd vibes, courtesy. Oh of yeah, I'm I'm pulling it up right now on Spotify. Oh yeah. Oh, yes, yep. Blake. I know you're a little bit more open minded. Totally check it out, dude. You're going to love it. <laughs> Lee, I thank you so have much. Been. Thank you. Uh, yeah, have you? you sent me those links earlier? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I, was, I was doing my homework. Yeah, yeah good, good stuff. But yeah, Lee, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute. Oh, pleasure. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for listening to the Chasing Tone podcast. As always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email podcast at wamplerpedals.com. Uh, that goes straight to me. Email Blake, email info at tonemob.com. And Richard is richard at wamplerpedals.com. If you like this podcast, make sure to share it with your friends and others who might like it. If you'd like to show your support for the show, the simplest and free way to do that is just simply to share this with a friend. Uh, maybe leave a review and a rating wherever you normally get your podcasts. Make sure to check out Blake's podcast called The Tone Mob. Uh, you can It's a great one as well. And make sure to check out Wampler Pedals. That's our website for blogs, videos, and of course, our little toneful gadgets, our little pedals and, and amplifier. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.